others. What the mercy of God can do. If you knew me then, you believe me now. You turned my whole life upside down. You took the old and you made new. It's just what the mercy of God It was a cross. It was a cross. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, we give you glory and honor. In this moment of worship together, we celebrate what you did for us on the cross. Sometimes it doesn't hit us the way it should hit us. But God, we want to see it this morning and be it a reason for joy and a reason for hope and a reason for peace and a reason for life. Jesus, you are everything. We love you, God. Amen. 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 God is good. Say hello to somebody around you. Don't be so quick to sit down. Say hello to somebody. We're going to go ahead and call our ushers to come on forward. Get ready to receive our tithes and our offerings as we get prepared to receive that. I just want to welcome any of our guests with us. If you're a first time or second time guest, thank you for being here. Um, as we pass the buckets, we didn't want you to feel any obligation um, or any awkwardness as those buckets pass. I, I do want to let everybody know that we are extremely grateful um, for your giving. Thank you so much for all that you do um, to keep this place running not only in your giving of your time and volunteership, but also in giving of your finances and your resources to help help keep this place going. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for giving. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives. We love you, God. I pray for any person that's in this room or that's online that hears this, God, that you would help them in their situations. If they're experiencing pain or turmoil, God, bring them peace and bring them life and bring them hope in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you are a guest with us, we do. Uh, we would like to know that you were here. If you want us to know you were here, there's a guest card in the seat back in front of you, or there's a, a digital form on our on our Sea of Paris app or on our website. We'd love to know that so that we could send you a thank you card and uh, just connect with you in a little bit uh, deeper way. Um, as a guest, kind of your next step would be our Start Here class. Our Start Here class happens every second Sunday of the month, so that's coming up in two weeks. But uh, that's a great place to kind of sit. Um, with Pastor Greg, one of our pastors on staff, and just kind of have a fireside chat about what our church is about, who we are, what we believe, that sort of thing. And so um, that would be your next step as a guest. We'd love to have you for a start here class for that. We do have some announcements coming up. Um, see if communities are one of those announcements. I think it's all in the video, so I don't need to explain anything <laughs> any further. I'm just making sure I cover my bases because I've missed stuff before. But uh, anyway, we're, we're, we got announcements coming up. We didn't come for announcements. We come to worship and to hear the word, but we got to take care of some house business first. So here's the announcement video. What's up, Sam Paris? Welcome to church today. We're so excited to see you here. We got a few announcements for you. First off, we have, it's that time again, CF communities are restarting this fall. We're going to be doing those this fall semester. Signups are in the lobby right now. If you have any questions, if you want to lead, ask Pastor G. He'll have answers for you. He'll be there to answer any questions you have. Next announcements. First Responders Luncheon is coming around again. We're doing September 10th. First Responders can come and pick up their lunch or we can even deliver it for them. So be aware of that. But we're also adding something to this. On Sunday after church, we're going to do a first responders 
lunch for their families and the first responders and anyone that's retired from first responding. So stay after church for that. We really just want to honor our first responders this year. And lastly, uh, we have a brand new class for CF students called Disciple, Discipleship 101. It's going to be before church from 9 o'clock to 945. Uh, and all CF students can come and do that. So if you're a CF student, think about it. Maybe you want to do it. All right, I think that's it. Pastor Corey coming up. Pastor Corey's coming up, guys. Bye. It was, it was right there at the end that I realized I haven't bothered turning my mic on. It's tucked away so nice and perfectly in the back. And so, yeah, somebody behind me leaned up and said, hey, don't forget, turn your mic on. I'm like, shut up. Shut up right now. <laughs> oh, it is so good to be back. Um, uh, first off, thank you, thank you. Um, there was a number of people, uh, Pastor Brandon led y'all, as well as I know a number of others that have come up to me throughout the week just in, in praying for us and our family. I know a lot of you. A lot of you are taking um, what was your senior off to their first year of college, and quite honestly for you, I'm praying for you. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, that was a lot of fun. I, uh, I, you know it's going to be difficult. You know there's going to be hard times. But again, I, we knew you guys were praying. There was what we knew was going to be just a, a really difficult moment turned into um, just a, a really beautiful moment where, where mom and I were able to look at the whole family and just realize what God had blessed us with. So again, thank you guys for your prayers. We appreciate it. Um, I did make it a point to wear a jacket today because in coming back from a week in Austin, sometimes people visit the church and think, wait, I've heard some questions about him. And if he's coming from Austin, maybe he really is what I've heard. I wore the jacket just to be nice today. I'm kidding. Um, look, we've, uh, we've been in an awesome series these last couple of weeks. If you're new here uh, today or, or even within the last week or so, I encourage you. We're in week six uh, of, uh, of a series we're calling Believe and Live. And, and it's been really powerful. John, John, the, the, the apostle John, the, I mean, he wrote his gospel and he wrote the gospel so that specifically, and, and he even told us why. He said, I'm giving you this gospel so that in studying these seven miracles, I'm writing out seven miracles in here, and I'm writing these seven so that we would believe in Jesus, which belief in Jesus is, is simply put is just faith in the middle of whatever circumstance you may encounter. Faith in the middle of your circumstances. But he said, I'm giving you these so that you would believe in Jesus, so that you would have faith in him, and then in having faith, so that you would have life. If you believe in him, you will have life. And it's not some far off, distant, will be one day golden ticket that if you hold on to really tight, then you're going to get to make it. That's not what it's about. It's about life here and now, abundant life here. Now, I, um, I, I, oh, this is fun. I, I, there's, I've already, I, I love to, when I'm coming in, I stand in the back and I've already gotten introduced to a, a number of guests for the first time. And I was already really hesitant about this message. Ah, oh, yeah. I love these. Um, 
And I, I'll say I'm hesitant simply because I find most people's uh, mindset is going to go one direction really quick. How's that for a soft lob setup? All right. Um, last week, Pastor G said this. He said, the more clearly we see Jesus, the more clearly we see our circumstance. The more clearly we see Jesus, the more clearly we see our circumstances. You see, the problems arise when we lose sight of Jesus. The problems arise when we lose sight of Jesus. And, and when we lose sight of Jesus, this is when we tend, what happens is, is we tend to focus on ourselves. And in focusing on ourselves, we also focus on our own attempts to achieve greatness. Don't get quiet. We all want greatness. I mean, everybody, they dream. Everybody dreams. We all dream of being something, of, of being somebody, of achieving something in our life, of leaving a legacy. Some, some do well at that. Others, uh, others, others can't seem to catch a break. And yet, wherever you may find yourself within that spectrum, both, both will never be satisfied and are always left wanting more. The one who, who can't seem to catch a break in life is always looking at what could be, what should be, why isn't it? The one who does, the one who's successful is always looking at what's better, what's gotten better what's doing better all the while we lose sight because in that natural reaction knowing knowing that you were meant for more we then strive to make it happen never then recognizing the simplicity that god has given us through the death the burial and the resurrection of christ because of his spirit alive inside of us, that simplicity alone is everything we need to get to wherever it is God wants us to be. And yet we work hard for it. We strive for it. And so today what we're doing is we're studying in, in John's gospel these seven miracles. And today we're going to be in chapter 6. And, and look at this. John said it. In studying these seven you're going to be able to believe in Jesus, faith in the middle of your circumstance, and then you'll be able to have life. Uh, another thing, um, so, so last week, <laughs> two weeks ago, I, I taught on the, the feeding of the multitude, the feeding of the 5,000, which we know was closer to 20,000. Last week, Pastor G jumped up ahead for us up to chapter 9. In that, he talked about how there was this, there had been building this uh, kind of two sides to who Jesus was. There's people that, that believed in Jesus and they wanted to follow Jesus and there was all this talk about Jesus and, and whether they believed him or not, they were excited about him and so they followed him for that. There were others that kind of polar opposite. They, they had kind of come to the conclusion that Jesus must be a heretic. He, he needs to be crucified and so they started plotting, what can we do to kill him? But John chapter 6, 
kind of uh, right before the feeding of the multitudes, John chapter 6 really is this, this, this book that John was writing showing in this moment all of a sudden the fame and the glory that he, along with the other disciples, had found by being disciples of Jesus. There was a level of notoriety knowing that you were one of his disciples. In, in that day and age, every kid grew up. They, they wanted to be, you wanted to be, by the age of 12, you were selected as, as a, a studier, a student, a disciple of the top rabbis. By the age of 12, you would have known the whole first five books of the Old Testament by memory. Memory. <laughs> like, like, y'all have trouble just reading through Exodus, okay? I mean, be real, it's hard. And yet, they, they had these memorized. They had them memorized. And so your dream as a kid was to grow up and be the disciple of one of the top rabbis. And yet, the top rabbis were not the disciples of Jesus. They were never going to be. Because, because those kids, the rabbis chose the kids that were smart, that were going to make it, that were going to be somebody. And, and the disciples, they were, they were somebody else. They became fishermen. They, they, they did what they could. Some, some did all right. Tax collecting, you know it. Come on, man, pays the bills. One was a doctor. But that's just it. All in this spectrum, you're always still left wanting more when you strive for personal gain. And so... Chapter 6 is, is the beginning of this fame ministry. All of a sudden, people start taking notice. In fact, the very first line of chapter 6, it, verse 2, it says this, A great crowd of people followed Jesus because they saw the signs he had performed healing the sick. There's other versions that talk about how what they had seen wasn't necessarily the miracle that Jesus wanted them to see. What they saw was their needs getting met, their hurts getting healed. Legitimate concerns, yes, but, but, but Jesus all the while was trying to show them something more. You're looking at this miracle when this isn't anything, this, this. Life eternal is the miracle. And so all of a sudden in John chapter 6, there's this hype, there's this craze. And I can only, I can only imagine in the disciples' minds, they're thinking, yeah, that's right. I mean, you thought I was going to be a nobody, but look at me now. They had just gotten to be a part of the feeding of, of the, the 5,000. Again, they, they counted by heads of households, so in theory there could have been upwards of 20,000 people, and they got to be a part of that miracle. Jesus let them be a part of that miracle. Understand, look, <laughs> Jesus didn't say, uh, I break the bread, thank you, Lord, for this, and they be multiplied, and then all of a sudden there was like, enough food to feed 20,000 people that the disciples had to carry by hand to each group. That wasn't going to happen. I mean, you can't feed 20,000 people that way. Jesus performed the miracle, but, but what happened was they all got to be a part of the miracle. Jesus broke it, handed it to the disciples. The disciples walked up with their one fish and their one bread, one half, whatever, they walked up to the first home group, how much do you need? They broke off a piece and gave it, broke off a piece and gave it. They, they didn't sit there and say, oh, come on, Tommy, I know you're going to eat more than one loaf. Let me, let me get you a little bit more. 
No, they broke off a piece and they gave it. And then that family, that house, got to break it and distribute it among their family. So the, the miracle kept happening. The miracle kept happening. The miracle kept happening. They all got to be witness to the miracle. All these people, are, are, they're now following Jesus. They're, they're excited. The, the, the disciples, they're, they're one of the 12. They're not just somebody else now. They, they're somebody. The people started saying, this is the fulfillment of a thousand years of prayers. This is the fulfillment of, of prophecy. Jesus, Jesus must be the Messiah. This is it. And, and all of a sudden, if a crowd, if a crowd was following Jesus up to this point, and now this has happened where each and every one of them has gotten to somehow play a part in this miracle, how how much bigger do you think that crowd's getting? How much more hype do you think is being added to that fire? Picking up in verse 15, it says this. When Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him their king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So, so when they had rowed just over three miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat and were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately... The boat was at the land where they were going. There's a couple scriptures. Just, just, just this little bitty little bit. And yet there's so much in that little, 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 little bit. I was, uh, I was recently reading some, some studies uh, research and stuff on 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 the effect of fame and, and popularity on the average human. Um, most people, and, and and here's the thing: there's there's been books written, there's there's studies, there's research, and and there's even people that will help you with almost every aspect of being rich and famous. Except for, except for just the emotional toll it is of now being rich and famous, of now being a household name, of now being recognized, of being noticed. Every book in the world on how to get there and yet nothing on how to cope with it when you're there. The reality is there's... There's so many people that have, that have turned to uh, alcohol abuse, substance abuse. There, there's, there's relationships that have been destroyed, marriages, relationships that are torn apart, all simply because uh, of a pursuit of fame, wealth, or, or notoriety. I want to <laughs> talk today about being famous. 
And I, I use that word specifically because if I say prosperity, you immediately shut out and say, nope, I know what he's talking about. We don't. We don't like to hear that, that God's wanting us to prosper. And so we typically shut it off. Nope, I'm meant to suffer through this. I had to suffer, so you said suffer. Just shut up and suffer. I, hmm. Okay, so there's, there's a little bit here that we're, we're seeing in John chapter 6. Jesus, through, through the help of his disciples' actions, is, uh, I, I truly believe he's giving us a template for dealing with the complexity of success. Hear me, please, hear me. Success... I know success is, is not just a part, but God wants it to be a part of your story. I'm going to keep talking because you're looking at me like, what? So, so we've inflated the word famous, but the base definition for the word famous means known by many. Known about by many. We make it into, you've got to have this year's whatever, you've got to have the, the top whatever. But, but truly, all it really is famous is known about by many. And, and the truth is, for each and every one of our lives, as we follow God, you and I are supposed to use our influence for good and not for evil. If you don't got no influence... I won't, go, I won't go there. <laughs> You're supposed to. You're supposed to have influence. Every one of us, we want fame. We want to be recognized. Right? We, we want the glamour. We want that glory. Most of the time in our desire to attain what God has placed inside of us, that, that dream that God has placed inside of us, most of the time what we will then do is ignore God's timing and his purpose to get there. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come up to me and say, Corey, God wants me to, whatever. Corey, God wants me to. And typically what I find for most of us, and, and I say this about myself too, what we focus on is not God wants. What we hear in our minds is wants me to. No, 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 don't focus on wants me to. He's already done it. What does God want? Then let him do it. No, but God wants me to. Ah, all right. What happens is we tend to lose sight of him. Instead, focus on ourselves. But it's, only, it's only when you keep your eyes focused on him that he will make a way for you to be known. Can you be famous outside of him making you known? Absolutely. We'll throw our pearls before anything. But if you can wait on him, our scripture is abundantly clear. Proverbs 22.9, look at this with me. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Before David, before David, we know, we know David, David is King David, but before David was King David, David was little David, and King was Saul. 
King Saul at the time, um, as David is just a, David's a, a teenager. He's watching sheep for his dad. He's a sheep herder. Um, but he's got dreams, right? He's got hopes. Plays his harp for those little sheep. Rocks it out. But King Saul, King Saul would have, King Saul would have, uh, Scripture talk, talks about it as kind of like these, these mood moments. Uh, scholars say maybe it was chronic headaches. We're not certain. But there were these times when, when Saul would retreat into kind of a, a dark room and, and basically want to shut the lights out and turn some worship music on. Some of you are thinking, God, you don't even need a headache for that mess. I've had that. Sometimes you just get to the point where you're like, I'm shutting it off and I'm retreating. And, and so King Saul, being the king, didn't just turn on his, his playlist. Pow. He said, I'm the king. I want to know who's the best harpist in all the land. I want to hire the best harpist to bring him to the palace. So they searched the kingdom over, the whole kingdom, and they found David. David was the best harpist in the land. Ooh. David. David, who, who simply used his alone time while taking care of dad's sheep to work on his harp playing and write music. Think about it. Like, David, David never intended for anybody to hear any one of the Psalms. It was, it was these written moments between him and God on a field out there. Psalm 23, I, I mean, he, he, was, he was just so compelled as he kept his eyes on God and, and looking there in the moment as he's shepherding these sheep, as he's nurturing them, as he's, as he's caring for them. I don't know what just happened, but, but something happens. And in that moment, he, he, he pulls out a pen and pad. And he says, The Lord, the Lord's my shepherd. I don't have to want, I don't have to need for anything. <laughs> I mean, all these psalms that we sing to this day came out of these moments where he, he was just keeping his eyes on God. And God made a way for him. All of a sudden now he's doing what? He's, do you see a man who excels in his work? He shall stand before kings. He will not stand before ordinary men. I wonder what industry you're in. And, and, and the truth is, it, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Wherever God has placed you today, There, I, I won't say there should be, I'll say there will be, if you're keeping your eyes on him, there will be a sense where people know about you. They know about you. And if in that blessing, you say, I, I'm not just going to do this for me, but I'm going to do more of this to advance his kingdom then in that way of thinking, that way of thinking realizes that prosperity is for a purpose. You see, our, our, our tendency 
is to hear the word prosperity and go, hmm, yeah, you and those other preachers can, well, go fly off in your second jet plane. No, prosperity is for a purpose. You see, the blessing that God wants to entrust to you is so that more can flow through you. God, but thank you. <laughs> We're hesitant. We're scared. But that's how the cycle continues. That's how the cycle continues. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. That's well known by others. Let your light shine before others. That, that's people celebrating you because of what's in you that makes them glorify God. All right. Look, there's a call on God on each and every individual's life. There's a purpose on your life. There's a call on your life. And when applied, and when applied, it causes there to be more notoriety in your life. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among those like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. What's famous? Known about by many. If you're shining brightly in a dark world, people are going to notice. But that last line says you must hold firmly to the word of life. And that, that's hard to do. That's hard to do because we're human. The, the, the easier thing, the tempting thing is going to be to let it go to your head. To make, it, to make, it, to make yourself feel like you're somebody. To, to, to let it all of a sudden build you up in such a way that you think you had anything to do with it. Once you get the blessings, it's easy to forget that he was the one who gave you the blessing. He was the one who gave you your talent. He was the one who gave you every single ability that you do have. He was the one who gave you the capacity to create wealth. And you think it was you? See, that's the tendency, that's the temptation. When you have success in your hand, great. Power to you, man. I pray that God pours more onto you as you use it for his kingdom. But, but when you let it get to your head, when you begin to think that you're something special, that's when we tend to lose sight of him. Back in our scripture, Jesus knew the disciples were in danger. Which, remember, as this thing starts, you got to, there's 20,000 people now chanting. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, like, it's getting crazy. They now want to take him by force to make him king. Like, they are hyping each other up. Like, hey, break that fish again. Let's see what happens. Come on. 
Hey, hey, granny needs another piece. Come on, break it again. They're watching the miracle happen, and they're getting so mesmerized by the miracle that they forget the giver. They want to make him king. They want to make him famous. And Jesus knew the disciples were in danger. In fact, both, uh, both Matthew and Mark's account, both Matthew and Mark in their gospels, they say this. Jesus immediately made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Jesus knew. He got him out of there. Yeah, you're out, guys. Come on. Load it up. Get. get. And yet, look, the disciples, the disciples got to be confused. They, I mean, hey, whoa, 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 Jesus. Hey, hold on, man. What? Yeah, I mean, you hear that? <laughs> Come on. Let's get back out there. Jesus, Jesus. Why are, we, why are we getting in the boat? Why are we, why are we leaving? This is it. This is, what we, this is it. this is what we wanted. Like, like, like this is, they know you're the Messiah. This is all, this is it, Jesus. This is it. They're getting excited by the hype. But Jesus knew they were weak. You see, in that moment, they felt on top of the world. In that moment, they felt the strength of a thousand. In that moment, they were gods among men. Oh, you're, you're one of his 12, right? Hey, we're... Weren't you the one that, that broke it and gave it to our family? Hey, weren't you, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, you were the one that brought the fish to us. Get them in a boat and get them out of here. And then scripture says that, that Jesus went to have some alone time with the father. Went to be with the king. He wasn't fooled by the glory. He wasn't fooled by the glory because he knew it wasn't real. Look at this. I'll give you a prime example. We hear the scripture that tells us that, that the streets of heaven are laid with gold. And what do we do? <gasps> maybe, maybe, maybe the point of that was just to let you know that the very thing that you consider everything is, it's nothing but the dirt that you'll walk on when you realize the glory of what is everything. You see, Jesus realized that he could please the people and yet fail his mission at the same time. So he sends the disciples into the storm. They're freaking out. Remember, these are, these are professional fishermen that are freaking out at a storm. So if professional fishermen are freaking out, you know it's, it's a legit storm. Like they might have reason to freak out. But Jesus... Jesus was more afraid of the attention of the people that was on him and the disciples. Because what they were doing is they were offering him the same thing that the, the devil offered him in the wilderness. They were offering him a crown without the cross. And so he said to the devil, get behind me, Satan. The fame you're offering, it's a temptation. I... Uh, I've noticed what we tend to freak out the most about is, is the trials, the waves of trials that, that seem to, I can't seem to catch a break. When maybe we should be more cautious by the waves of popularity. The bigger your life gets, the more you have to stay on your knees to spot the temptations that are going to be there. 
Because the simple thing to think, and, and it's not the truth, but not every opportunity is from God. And not every storm is from the devil. You have to be listening to his spirit to know the difference. Um, okay, so, so in, in all of this, the, the disciples are facing this storm, again, because they're obeying Jesus. Jesus told them to get in the boat, told them to go across, sends them. They're obeying Jesus. He said launch the boat. He said go to the other side. He said it'll be great. He said, right? Sea of Galilee is, it's a, it's a six mile across lake. So three miles, just over three miles in, they're, they're stuck in the middle. I mean, they're stuck in the middle. And there's probably not a worse feeling. Like if you're not stuck if you're stuck before the middle, you can, you can turn around, or at least the thought's there that you're not quite there, so you know it's shorter there. But then if you get to the middle, now, now you've got to go there, but, but they're rowing against the waves. So, so the just past middle part is what's, there's a lot going on. The disciples are struggling, and, and the problem is the very strength that made them stand before everybody before, the same strength in their mind that made them who everybody wanted to see is now the strength that's failing them as they row across that sea. You see, now all of a sudden, the disciples are in a raging fury about to die. And, and, and where is Jesus? He's strolling on by. He's strolling by. Mark's gospel? Mark's gospel says that Jesus would have kept walking. <laughs> Why? Well, in part, he needs them to be developed. He needs them to stop looking at the strength that they think they have and start realizing. He needs them to keep their focus, to not lose sight when successes happen. You see, it's, it's easy at times to recognize our need for Jesus when we're in the middle of the storm. But, but when the crowd's chanting, do you recognize your need for Jesus then too? They needed to understand the more clearly that they saw him, the more clearly they'd see everything else. You see, he's in charge. He has a plan. And, and, and it comes down quite simply to if he told me to get in the boat, then I don't have to worry about anything that may happen while I'm in that boat. All right. Okay, so, so Jesus knows, Jesus knows, Jesus knows the disciples are about to be entrusted with things that he said himself, I have not even done. Greater fame is about to come upon the disciples, known about by many. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 says they would bring sick people into the streets just so that the shadow of Peter walking by would cross over people and heal them. Jesus himself said, I go to prepare a place, but I'm sending my spirit so that you will do much greater. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, they would bring handkerchiefs. They would bring, and we're not talking about like little hankies. Woo, 
no, no, no. They would bring like their wraps, their towels, anything that they could use from a distance in a crowd of people to throw at them and just touch them. And then they would take that garment back to their sick people, lay it on sick people, and the sick people would be healed. Man, that's pretty cool. Like right now, you know how cool it would be if I could just spit and, and whoever was underneath the anointing of my spit. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, that's disgusting. But guys, that power, that power, that power that's in Paul, the power that was in Peter, that same power is the power that's in us to do even greater if, if we keep our eyes on him. That's also why they're in the storm. He knew what he intended to do through them, which is why he needed to strengthen them. You see, God has to prepare us before he can do great things through us. So Jesus sent them into the storm because, quite honestly, he saw how big their eyes got when the people started chanting. Jesus, Jesus. It's a time for you to see you need to keep your eyes on me. The true danger, the true danger when the waves come, when the wind howls, when, when we face when we face just, uh, when we face life. The true danger is to completely forget who he is and everything you've seen him do. That's, that's exactly what the disciples do. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you see that, that we're floundering, that we're about to die here, that we can't make it? Jesus, don't you see the very very same words you and I intuitively cry from the depths of our soul when troubles arise. God, why? God, God, don't you care? I mean, why, why would you, why would, why could this happen? Why would this happen? Why would you let this happen? Do you see me? Do you, do you even care anymore? Um, as I, as I close, I'm going to have the, the band come up and, and play, but uh, here's, here's what's wild. So, so jump back to the feeding of the multitude. Feeding of the multitude, you had all of these people, they're getting their food, they're breaking it, it's multiplying, they're seeing this massive miracle from God. Jesus says, go and collect all the, all the extras. How many baskets were there full? 12 baskets, 12 baskets full. Uh, real quick, because, and I know, I know Pastor G like went so short last week and now the nursery workers are gonna hate me this week, but, but you gotta hear this because it's so good. So in, in the, under the law of Moses, which everybody was, was still under, under the law of Moses, you couldn't keep leftovers. Because of, because of what God had done for the children of Israel in the desert, he had provided manna, and, and this manna could only be used for one day. God said, use it for one day, it's great for one day, but then after that, you, you don't store anything. Your provision, what you have, is for today and today only. But Jesus, here in this moment, all of a sudden is saying, you don't get it, you're no longer under the law of Moses. Because I, I'm the bread of life. And what I have is not going to perish by tomorrow. What I have is everlasting. There was so much depth to this, this little miracle that he's doing. But 12 baskets. 
How many disciples? 12 disciples. How many baskets? 12 baskets. So, so, just seconds before when, when, when they were crying out to God, there is no way that we can feed these people. Jesus looks at them and says, hey, we need to come up with the money. We've got to go down to a store. We've got to pick up some food. They're like, mm, ain't happening. God provides this crazy miracle. And then they get to take home, each one of them, their own basket. Put it down between their legs as they get in the boat to row. I'm a king's man. Yeah, I'm a king's man. What? All of a sudden hitting the storm. The whole time they're in the storm. The entire time they're stressing. The entire time they're accusing God of not caring. Wondering where he is in the middle of this. The reminder to trust him was sitting at their feet. A basket full of blessings that weren't going to expire. Abundance from nothing. Through no strength of your own. John, John doesn't even go into the rest of the story. He, he knew that the lesson's given. <laughs> boat, we're there. We're gone. We're, we're through. They saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. They willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. The more clearly we see Jesus, the more clearly we see everything else. The, the last detail I want to I shut us out with is this. This should stick out in your head. There's a line in that verse. It says this, the disciples willingly received Jesus. Again, the only reason Jesus got in the boat was because they welcomed him. <laughs> he, he was going to casually just stroll by on top of the very storm that had them fearing for their lives. I, I, you, you look that word up in the Greek when it says that Jesus was walking out on the water. It literally means that, like, not a fast walk. He wasn't, like, no. It, it literally means like he was just strolling, like a, a whistle. He's strolling. On top of the very storm that they thought was going to wreck their entire life. If you and I could only remember the trials we've been through before. He's got me through it then. I know he's going to get me through it now. And if he got me through that then, and, and I know he told me to get in the boat, then I got to know he's this, this mess, this storm, this hurt, this pain, all of it. All of it, he's preparing me for something. God, I'm keeping my eyes on you. Because if he's preparing you, if, if the one who created everything has his eye on you, is for you, not against you, if he allowed you to be sent into the storm, then in those moments, in those moments where you know you're not where you want to be, but you really, you really don't want to go back to where you used to be, in those in-between moments, in those storms where you're uncertain. No matter how crazy things get, can you trust that it's to develop you? 
You don't have to be afraid. Does it matter how crazy the storm gets if he told me to get in the boat? doesn't matter how crazy the storm gets if he told me to get in the boat. He who called you is faithful. He will do it. And the more clearly we see Jesus, the more clearly we see our circumstances. We see everything else. Believe and live. Because guys, God God has given us, God has given you and I through the death, the burial, and the resurrection with his spirit inside of us. You and I have everything we need to get to where God wants us to be. Everything we need to get to where God wants us to be. Would y'all stand with me as I close this morning? Thank you, Lord God. cross meant for me that my Savior carried. Now I stand redeemed. Come on. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, for your truth, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, Lord God, for what it, what it means for each and every one of us today. Lord God, not just a book on a shelf, but your words alive and well, Lord Jesus, that if, if we would just take the time to study, to read, to apply them, Lord God, that we would know, that we would know, that we would know that we believe and that we would have life abundant. Power over every circumstance, over every situation, over every storm that comes. And so, Lord, I pray that we would rest in that today. As I continue to pray, look, if you're here this morning and and there's whatever storm, there's a storm that you feel like you've been in for a while. And in whatever situation this is, you realize that you're going to need to trust in his control. Maybe maybe you're saying that you want to trust God for the dream that he's put inside of you and that you've been trying to make happen. Maybe you want God's blessing on your business or, or God's blessing on your house. But if you pray this morning, if you realize, but God, in my success, help me keep my eyes on you. If that's you, if you just real quickly raise your hand, I want to pray for you in the situation, the storm you may find yourself in. Hands going up across the room. Awesome. For businesses, for opportunities, for ministries, developing, starting right here. Awesome. Thank you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord Jesus, with every, every, every hand raised. Father, Lord God, we thank you that even in the midst of the storm that we're going to trust you. That even in the midst of the hurt, we're going to trust you. That even in the midst of what we think, Lord God, could destroy us, we're going to recognize that you can casually walk right on top of all of it. Right over every single wave that crashes. Right over all of it, Lord God. And in nothing but an instance, you can take us through it all when we keep our eyes on you. Father, I pray for those that are, that are here this morning that are needing to, to trust in you, Lord God. I, I pray that they would trust you with their highs and their lows. That they would keep their focus on you. That they would see you more clearly. Father, we thank you for all that you are. That you alone are our life, our hope, our reason for being. 
This morning, we choose to keep our eyes on you, God. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, lift up a big clap to the Lord. Thank you, thank you all. Thank you all for coming out this morning, guys. Y'all be blessed. Remember, believe and live. God bless you all.